Libria. I congratulate you. At last, peace reigns in the heart of man. At last, war is but a word whose meaning fades from our understanding. At last, we are whole. disease in the heart of man. Its symptom is hate. Its symptom is anger. Its symptom is rage. Its symptom is war. The disease is human emotion. But Libria, I congratulate you. For there is a cure for this disease. At the cost of the dizzying highs of human emotion, we have suppressed its abysmal lows. And you, as a society, have embraced this cure. Prosium. Now we are at peace with ourselves. And humankind is one. War is gone. Hate, a memory. We are our own conscience now. And it is this conscience that guides us to rate EC10 for emotional content. All those things that might tempt us to feel again. And destroy them. Librians! You have won! Against all odds and your own natures. You have survived! Okay, Welcome so back. I, as I was watching this movie, I thought to myself, this is the perfect movie, because I know I forgot to say it maybe last time or and the time before, but this is the perfect movie to open with our sometimes tagline, <laughs> there's a lot to unpack here. There is a lot to unpack here. This, I would say, maybe aside from Street Fighter and Congo, is probably the most ambitious movie that we've <laughs> discussed on this show. Yeah. Um, and of course, I'm being facetious when I mention Street Fighter and Congo. Though ambitious, not sort of in the same vein. This movie, well, there's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> Do you know? I, I didn't. No, go ahead. Do you know we've already discussed the director of this movie? Who's the director? He's done one other film. Just tell me Tell me the name. Kurt Wimmer. Oh, <laughs> no. That's... Law-abiding citizen. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Yep, he wrote Law Abiding Citizen, The Thomas Crown Affair. Okay. He wrote or directed? Wrote and directed. Well, he wrote those, but he was the writer-director of this one. Okay. This was a movie I had no idea even existed, which I attribute to the fact that it came out, I think, in 2002. So it would have been pretty still, like, in the thick of the Matrix hangover. Right. It's a, a comparable movie in concept and parts of its execution but also its vibe which is sort of like a dystopian black trench coat right it's a lot less i feel like it's a lot less high techy sci-fi and more just kind of like like fundamental what if science fiction and that was a choice of the director because he didn't want to it's set in like 2070s Okay. And he didn't want to kind of like how Back to the Future and Terminate, like you set a date and then when that date passes, mm-hmm. the future looks nothing like that. Right. So he was like, let me do a low key future. In, right. In case in 2070, we don't have floating cars still. And 
Well, I don't know. I, I mean, people are starting to... It's funny because you think of the movies like from when we were growing up that predicted the future, and the future was in like 2015, or mm-hmm. I think Time Cop was 2012, and <laughs> I feel like Demolition Man came out in, I think, 1994, and the first scene is Los Angeles, 1996, and it's all just on fire. Right. Like, like everything is on fire. Like, things that can't be on fire are just on fire. When's the future future of Demolition Man? I think it's 2032 or 2023. It's one okay. of those. Fun fact, he gets frozen on my birthday. I think you told me that. I did. Before. November 20th. <laughs> Sly Sloan gets, takes off his clothes. Balls are partly visible, and then he gets frozen in the future. It's or funny. maybe he gets thawed on my birthday. That might be it. Yeah, I think he gets thawed on my birthday. It's funny when you like think back on like how far we have come in the past in our generation. You know, like have back, we though? Well, back in high school, we didn't have cell phones. <laughs> no, like the internet was just becoming a thing. True. And how you know, like the kids nowadays can never imagine a world without. That's, so here's a fun fact: we are part of a generation called a very small window of time. I feel like it's less than ten years called Xennials, which is Generation um, X Millennials. It's Generation X plus Millennials, and the way they describe it is analog childhood, digital adulthood. Huh. I so like it's that. A, that is a fun fact. And I forget the exact dates. I feel like it's it's like night like what year were you born? Nineteen eighty two. So I was eighty one. So I feel like it's either maybe like eighty to if you were born like eighty to ninety or something like that. So eighties kids? Um I guess, yeah. <laughs> Or maybe it's maybe it's bigger than that. Maybe it's like 80s and mid 90s or something like that. I don't know. But Xennials, yeah. Dig- so yeah, we had all the analog stuff growing up. Then we transitioned through our adolescence and young adulthood into adulthood that's pretty much fully digital. Mm. Yeah, and it's just funny to think that when they were predicting the future back in like the Demolition Man days and everything, mm-hmm. the future had so many more things accessible to you, like the, the self-driving cars, which we're just getting into now. Right. But everything kind of was nicer and more secure, and really the only thing that changed was everybody's on their computers a whole lot more. Right watching youtube videos so this movie predicts 2070 mm-hmm. I, I recently saw hobbs and shaw which not quite the thinker of a movie that this one is but there's a big monologue where idris elba who's the villain talks about all the science that's behind his like motivation for being the bad guy and he's like by 2090 the population will be wiped out and i started thinking like so they're re- so when they were writing the movies that we were just talking about and they were like predicting like what it would be like today right now they're really jumping ahead like 40 50 years into the 2090s the 2070s like that's that's a leap that i mean will we be alive to see that probably not no i don't i mean i would so. be 108 i mean i can if uh, i you're pretty you know. healthy though i mean yeah you, you, know. you know like i started adapting the mediterranean diet maybe yeah and you run so I, I might I, I might not make it. I eat a Chipotle a lot, so I don't know. But um, hey, that's all organic, man. <laughs> but again, it's like one of those things where you're a little kid and you're you're thinking, oh, 2015, that's never gonna happen. Back to the Future Two, you're crazy. <laughs> And then here we are four years later. I mean, Back to the Future 2 is not happening yet. I've not had a no, job. No, I, meant, I just meant the, I meant the year 2015. Oh. Like, oh, that'll not, like 2015, that's like 100 years away. Well, the world is going to end at New Year's Eve 1999. Oh, a, a bunch of times. 2012, May 5th, 2005. Yeah, a bunch of times. So May 5th, 2005 was when well, I think all the polar ice caps were supposed to melt and the world was going to tip on its side. Was really? the one that I heard. Who predicted that? I shot on a TV show. Oh. Gotcha. And it scared the shit out of me so much that I like immediately tried to find a calculator or a pen and pencil and calculate whether or not my parents would still be alive because I knew I'd be so scared and I wanted them there. Weird. Yeah, right? But I think like ever since Deep Impact, I have not fretted the polar ice caps melting and the that water is, coming up. That's I'm probably like, the 
that's just going to take my dirt bike to the mountains. That Elijah is, Wood. That is probably the biggest endorsement of Deep Impact that has ever been committed to um, public record. I recently had to travel to Indiana, and it was playing on the hotel room TV. Does not age well. Does did not age well. Like the wave, the special effects were horrible. And you think about how Armageddon still okay. Right. Uh, Armageddon, I mean, was still holds up. Armageddon was a ridiculous movie, but it is phenomenal. And Deep Impact was like dollar store Armageddon or like yard sale Armageddon. I do give some credit, some credit. And I, you know, this is a, this is a big statement to make. So I'm going to give like 0.0001% to the Barack Obama presidency to seeing Morgan Freeman as president in Deep Impact. What do you think Morgan Freeman inspired Barack Obama to run for president? No, I think seeing Morgan Freeman as a black president started getting America comfortable with that image. When did Deep Impact come out? Because The Fifth Element came out, I think, before, and there was a black president in that. He was cross-eyed, but... (laughs) I don't think he did anything for it. It was a big step. I'll put him third on the list, because then I would also put Sorrento in 24. Who? The nationwide guy. I don't know his real... Serrano? Yeah. Oh, uh, Major League? Pedro Serrano? Yeah. Oh, um, Dennis Haysbert. Yep, and he was the president in 24. 24. So he's second, Morgan Freeman first, and then I'll give you fifth element cross-eyed president guy. So, and then, here's one ahead of the curve, the X-Men cartoon from like 93 through like 95-ish maybe, female president. Which and I, so that has not done so, so much. maybe I'll, maybe Congress just hasn't watched it yet. And yeah. maybe that's why we're not there. But I remember seeing that as a kid. There was a scene where she was like she was in the Oval Office on a treadmill, like, you know, like working out and giving orders and multitasking like a badass. And I was just like, oh, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then, yeah, that that was a fantastic show. So. Yeah, so what were we talking about? What's this movie again? So this is Equilibrium. Equilibrium. Okay, so let's watch the trailer. So okay. Equilibrium came out in, what did you say, 2002? Stars 2002. Christian Bale, Tay Diggs, Sean Bean, Billy Fickner, who's been in probably a lot of the movies that we, you know, we do. Who, you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, we do like Billy William Fickner. Fickner. Is he on Twitter? We should find him. I'll look for that too. He was in a really good weird movie that I watched on Stars the other day called The Neighbor, which was just like a, it was kind of like um, American Beauty, but less vivid i guess but it was still a pretty good movie i enjoyed it william fickner fickner i think is how you say it he was in armageddon yeah uh, which we just talked about mm. well he's in a lot yeah he's in he's I like th- a michael bay guy i think he's in every movie so yeah i am following a bill fickner he's in so many movies he could be the white samuel l jackson maybe <laughs> i mean not quite as celebrated but but his his he also doesn't have like like there's only one Samuel. Samuel, I forgot you call him that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But um, but yeah, he's uh, he's been in a lot of stuff. So anyway, okay. Real quick synopsis. This is a synopsis. <laughs> Synapses are in your brain. Real quick synopsis. This is From um, synapsis. yeah. This is a movie about a dystopian future in which emotions are outlawed. Is that fair to say? Yeah. And the consequences for feeling are death and pretty much like imprisonment. Death, imprisonment, death. Um, chemical call it chemical neutering of your of Ooh, your emotions a, you know where i got that phrase. from chemical neutering that's not yours no okay terminator 3 rise of the machines oh. john connor sneaks into a veterinary clinic claire danes comes in and finds him and there's a little standoff and he's obviously taking pills to deal with an injury or something and she's like she finds the bottle she's like did you take these this is what we use to chemically neuter dogs and she tries to throw them off and then escape that's why huh. I got that. So, I like yeah. it. I yeah. do like Claire Danes. Maybe I need to read that screenplay. I didn't realize it was so 
wordy. Not a terrible movie. Not a great movie, but it was. It was. Yeah, that's what I remember. I watched I'm that on my 21st birthday. Nice. Mm-hmm. I saw that with my dad. One of the few movies I've seen with my dad in the theater. So anyway, all right. So we're going to play the trailer. And while we play the trailer, we're going to do some written expression. Could be a limerick. Could be a sonnet. Could be a haiku. We're going to uh, we're gonna give you our best in terms of what we enjoyed, didn't enjoy, found amusing about the movie. And then we'll be back. Here's the trailer. The cleric is the final line of defense. If the resistance compromises it, we are doomed. There's nothing we can't do. It's real. Burn it. Cleric, I can only hope one day to be as uncompromising as you. You're a family man. Yes, sir, a boy and a girl. disturbing rumor. Rumor, sir. A rumor maintaining that one of the cleric is actually attempting to contact the resistance. Then you know what I'm gonna do now. Preston, give yourself entirely without incident. No, not without incident. Pretty underwhelming trailer, and I think that's well. Underwhelming is not the right word because the movie itself was good, at least on a thought-provoking level. Well, and that's I think that's where the critics didn't. I think it was a hard movie to kind of sell because they pitch it and everything about it, even like the poster has Christian Bale in kind of an actiony pose. Right. But this really isn't an action movie. It's definitely not an action movie. It's a drama. It's a thought-provoking drama movie with action parts and the action parts are kind of a a new martial arts that the director invented in his backyard gunkata gunkata so the the action scenes in this movie are good they're just very quick and sparse right and so you're right it's not fair to call this movie an action movie it's not it's kind of like do you remember Gattaca? Um, I've never Ethan saw Hawk? it, but I remember it. It's kind of it has the same feeling as that. It's like well, Gattaca meets Matrix. You see a lot. I mean, eyes. a lot of these like dystopian movies where it's 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 a future that's been homogenized and kind of like scrubbed clean of of everything you know, high or low in terms of like creativity, emotions, all that. They all have the same sort of like look to them. It's like this uniform either dark or gray kind of color that people wear, that the buildings are, that the settings are, like they, you know, it's just like, it's just non-threatening. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's boring, but it's meant to be, like the reason is because it's like non-threatening and non, you know, un- uninspirational, I guess. 
And I think that, I think this movie did that so well that it actually bummed me out watching it. <laughs> like, seeing all the, um... Like, what was it? There's the scene at the beginning where, like, the alarm goes off. So all the all the people in the future are subdued and sort of controlled by this drug called prosium. Pro, yep, prosium. It's, it's a, a mixture of Prozac, Prozac and lithium. Right, okay. Um, prosium, yeah. And it's basically, it, it's the color of pee, which I don't quite know. I don't understand that choice because the first thing I thought was like, ha, it's pee, but whatever. <laughs> and every day people are reminded by an alarm to take their prosium and they oh. like shoot it into their neck. Prozac and Valium. Valium. That makes more sense. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Prozac and Valium. So they're reminded to take their prosium every day. And there's a scene in the beginning where a bunch of people are walking through what looks like this courtyard or something. And this alarm and this image comes on top of the, comes on all the, like the screens around, mm. which are normally just there, like, I mean, they're not there to broadcast advertisements or anything like that. I guess this is the main purpose is just to, like do this alarm and everybody stops moving, reaches in their pocket, pulls out this little gun and shoots himself in the neck with prosium. And that scene, for whatever reason, I mean, I don't think there was anything like visually spectacular about it or anything like spectacular or out of the ordinary about the like the choreography of it or anything like that but it just really bummed me out because it was like all the people from what i remember were wearing like black dark blue something like that Mm. the backgrounds were all just dead gray it was just really well done in terms of like oh this sucks and it made you feel a little bit i feel like it, it helped your appreciation for the artifacts that they would find throughout the movie that inspired feeling right and you know inspired emotion this is one of those Hollywood movies where they go, man, if we suppress our artistic feelings and our artistic expression, like this is the future that we're going toward. That's a good point. And any I know, censorship I and everything, you know. I hadn't considered that. That's um, good. So like on the political level, obviously, because politics are in everything, like I always thought this movie was kind of the liberal response to, you know, the suppression of the Republicans and being like, let's just censor. What well, well, comes out of like an Academy Award show, mm-hmm. you know, and saying that we need to have more feeling, more color, more mm-hmm. everything. So, okay. Or this is going to be our future. We're going to be burning Mona Lisa's and right. floorboards. So, okay. So back so back to that in a minute. Let's read our, our oh, yeah. verbal expression. You want to go first? Yes. Go ahead. What did you do today? I'm, a haiku. Okay. I need to break out of this. The first question is serious, and I want to know what your thoughts are on it, but I'll read the whole haiku. I thought that was your haiku, and I was trying to count <laughs> syllables. I was like, wait, 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 wait. No, go ahead. Okay. What is with Bale's mouth? Father betrays William Wallace. Tay Diggs is handsome. That last part, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> Tay Diggs, my favorite Tay Diggs role. Tay Diggs in Malibu's Most Wanted. Did you ever see that? Uh, yeah, a long time, like once. It's one of those movies where you, like, it's a bad movie, but it's an enjoyably bad movie, and Tay Diggs is just really <laughs> funny in it. He plays this, um, him and Anthony Anderson play these two, like, classically trained actors, and... Anderson's amazing. Yeah, and, and they get hired by, um, long story, they get hired to impersonate thugs, mm-hmm. so the whole time they're doing it, they're, like, they're stereotyped the way that, like, pampered actors are, and that's how they act, but then they're trying to transform into thugs, and just some of the ways they play off each other is really funny. So that's how I know Tay Diggs the best. But my what was Tay, the first my question? My favorite Tay Diggs is Way of the Gun with Ryan Felipe. I've never seen that one. That no? might be a good one for this show. Kind of like, I really enjoy the beginning and then it just all oh, is that the one? Out. Was that the one with Benicio Del Toro? Yep. At the beginning? Yeah. When he... I'll come over and fuck start your head? That one with the guy with the red hair? Yeah. At the club? Yeah. yeah. Or something like that? Do you remember the whole line? I do, but I it's don't know if I want to say it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
But then um, he goes over and he punches his girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> we watched that. Because Benicio okay, is like okay. fiddling with All right, let me, let, me read, let me read mine first. Okay. So, wait, I'm going to make a list of the stuff we have to talk about. <laughs> Way of the gun. What was the question in yours? What is with Bale's mouth? Okay, Bale's mouth. And do you get Father Betrays William Wallace? No. In Braveheart, the guy who plays Father in Equilibrium is the guy that turns in William Wallace to be quartered. In oh, really? Yep. Oh, I didn't notice that. Okay, here's mine. I did a haiku also. Mona Lisa burned. Emotions are outlawed, but no Kardashians. That's a beautiful. That's, that's a beautiful thing. I mean, we watched that opening scene of Way of the Gun in a college film class, a screenwriting class, a scriptwriting class I took. The teacher showed that to us as a perfect example of character establishment. Just that opening scene to establish Ryan Felipe, Philip. Felipe? Felipe. I and, say um, Felipe. I don't, and be Benicio wrong. del Toro as like the. I don't know what you'd even call them, the anti-heroes or the, the kind of the heels that they were. So that that's that. But I've never watched the movie all the way through. Bale's mouth. I, explain to me what you're... I don't it's quite... weird. It's weird. There's a weirdness he, to it. He has a... Um, that's, that's why I always thought it was funny overbite? of him playing Batman. Because he does have a very distinguishable mouth. It's and like Batman's mouth Batman's mouth is all you see. I think it's just sometimes I'll hear him say things and it sounds like there's a little bit of a lisp maybe or something like a like it the way It looks he, like he should have a lisp. Maybe that's what it is. But my point was that <laughs> Batman's mouth is the only thing you see and Christian Bale had like I could you could cover Christian Bale's face and I could tell you that's him by his mouth. Right. So I always thought that was kind of funny that he was Batman and nobody nobody But then knew. it was clever because they changed his voice. Like I was, at first you're like what is going on? Yeah, here? but even still I mean it's like it, but Michael yeah, Keaton's right. got a very distinguishable mouth as well. Does he? Well, he's got the pursed lips, like the. He's got. I the mean, little... Meryl Streep has pursed lips too. And she never played Batman. Though. No, well, <laughs> good point. That's fair. Okay, so the Mona Lisa burn was the thing that I led off with. I thought that was a really cool scene. That's the opening scene of the movie to establish these. They're called clerics as this like force that goes in and takes and and removes and disposes of anything that would cause feeling or mm. emotion so they go into this like nest of resistance fighters and all the resistance fighters are doing is trying to protect art which was interesting and then the guy like pulls the mona lisa out from under the floorboards and he's like it's it's legitimate he runs a scan on it or something and then they just incinerate it with these big goofy flamethrowers that was the first scene and that got me into the movie that's when i texted you i was like i'm about 10 minutes in and this is already pretty awesome and that was about 30 minutes behind you in putting on the movie so uh, we'll get to that scene later on when i was like "Ooh, i should have warned mc about this and i was like he's probably already <laughs> oh oh yeah but so the whole this whole thing i mean this happens in real life currently you know like when isis took over all those territories the first thing they did was destroy the art and destroy right. the the religious statues of the people that they were taking right. over i mean to a lesser degree it happens with like you can make an argument that it happens with everything from like school uniforms to you know like office spaces where you're not allowed to hang up personal effects and yeah. things like I mean, that. The Nazis pillaged museums as well. Like that was what was the, all the the monuments men. It was like a George Clooney John Goodman movie that was about like three to four years ago. Ah uh, yes, the old Clooney Goodman vehicle <laughs> <laughs> from way back when. I actually do remember that. Yeah. So I mean, and that was their thing was tr trying to get the art back from the Nazis before the Soviets went in and then destroyed it all. Right. So, I mean, like, this is this is legit. So, it's not entirely... So, the premise may be pretty... Or, or the execution in this movie may be pretty grandiose, but the premise is not that far-fetched. Yeah, this is kind of like, oh, this is, what it, this is how it will look in the future when Americans start doing it. And the premise here is, like, the movie takes place after World War III, they say, mm -hmm. which they don't get into, like, the specifics of, I don't recall, right? Like, they don't say... 
World War Three happened because of this, this, and this. They just allude to World War Three. Well, they pretty much say like World War Three happened be- on a more grandiose scale of being like people got their feelings hurt. Like everyone well, right. just they attribute like, it to emotions. Shit. Yeah, but they don't get into the specifics of like you know. America. And I was just glad that they didn't quote the same quote. That's always I think it's Albert Einstein that says it. Like I don't know how World War Three will be fought, but World War Four will be fought with sticks and stones. Have you ever heard that quote? No, that's interesting though. Oh, they always use it when they talk about World War Three happened and then world war in movies yeah i guess i don't know or books i don't know i didn't notice that i never knew that that's cool that's a i mean not cool that's scary but that's an interesting quote probably said more like like i know not Mm -hmm. (laughs) how world war three will be fought but world war four will be fought with sticks and well einstein was german i'm pretty sure so i don't know that he would have that had the british accent and i also don't think he lived during shakespearean time so albert einstein said i know not with with what weapons world war three will be fought but world war four will be fought with sticks and stones boom was he german was i right on that austrian so once we establish the clerics they're i don't want to say no nonsense because that makes it sound like they're like middle managers at a accounting firm or something like that but they're very stone-faced and very unforgiving when it comes to what they have to do which is wipe out all traces of emotion Mm -hmm. including to some degree people who oh what they have a name for them and i forget what it was called sense sense offenders sense offenders sense offenders (laughs) yeah so it's like hmm that's kind of close to sex offenders but not exactly so yeah sense offenders through the movie or rather through the first scene christian bale whose name is preston is teamed up with sean bean whose name appropriately i forget partridge partridge that's right and partridge you get the sense right from the beginning is a like isn't totally on board with this extermination of emotions Mm. and so you find out later that he's taken a book from the crime scene and he's basically been cheating on his job by indulging reading poetry reading poetry and things like that so christian bale finds out kills him and that establishes christian bale as kind of like he's like the best cleric that there is that's a very poet like i like the shot of it where he shoots him through and the, the book, book explodes mm-hmm. yeah that was cool you always knew but i being poor i've only my dreams i have spread my dreams under your feet tread softly you tread on my dreams. I assume you dream, Preston. I'll do what I can to see they go easy on you. We both know they never go easy. Then I'm sorry. No, you're not. You don't even know the meaning. It's just a vestigial word for a feeling you've never felt. You see, Preston, it's gone. Everything that makes us what we are traded away. There's no war, no murder. What is it you think we do? No. You've been with me, you've seen how it can be the jealousy, the rage, the heavy cost.
again, cool cinematography, just really depressing. <laughs> like, really depressing. Albert Einstein was German. Nice. Nailed it. <laughs> so then we get introduced to Tate Diggs, who comes on as Sean Bean's replacement, and he's very, like, headstrong and career-oriented. But, but here's the thing. So I say those words, headstrong, career-oriented. Would you agree with the fact that he was very, like, that those traits describe his character trying to become the best cleric and become the become like Christian Bale. Would you yes. agree to that? Aren't those emotions? Well, the, and that's that's the funny area with this because really, can you be alive without having emotions? And that's like, the thing I kept doing throughout the whole movie mm-hmm. was like watching for people, looking at them and being like, well, he's feeling this, he's feeling this, he's right. feeling this. And even if they're not like outright, like I'm happy, I'm sad, like emotions is a broad term. Right, but I don't know... I, I don't know what you feel when you're on something like Prozac. Like, when you have, like, an... Dude, I've taken Prozac. I've taken Valium. I've taken all the other ones. You still feel emotions. It's just that... Are they muted? It's just... It's it's designed to... This is the deep dive. This is the deep dive here with MC. So, it's, so I'm not shy of saying that I've battled major depressive disorder and generalized anxiety for about 15 years. So, I've been on... A host of antidepressants and um, tranquilizers, sedatives, things like that. And yeah, all they're designed to do is kind of level you out in a way where your emotions still exist, but they don't spike dramatically to the point where it debilitates you and drives you. So it's kind of like your emotions don't control you, would you say? Right. It's it's just, it's meant to make them manageable. Mm. It's meant to make your your emotions manageable because antidepressants are drugs so they interact chemically with you know the chemicals in your brain and the receptors in your brain and you know the thing about mental illness as a whole is that like for as much research and as much you know as much ground as as treatment has covered people still really don't know a ton and the thing with antidepressants is the reason i've been on so many is because you build up a tolerance to them after a while and they just kind of stop working as effectively so that's why the term emotions in this movie was a little bit dicey for me because it's not correct right and it seems like what and i get they can't just say well people need to stop feeling happy and inspired and positive and all those emotions which they were hinting at and i guess even on the negative side to a lesser extent like they mentioned a couple times how people were jealous and you know filled with rage and that caused conflict and they were seeking to stomp that out but again emotions is just like like you're right you can't be alive without emotions right i don't think unless there was maybe some very strict prescribed detailed list of the exact emotions that they were trying to eradicate well and that's what like so this prosium i was like did i, did I sound smart just I, for that like dude i was on board did that was that like pretty good yeah all right good <laughs> just curious you know I mean, this podcast is all over the place. Before we were talking about it does Hobbs and Shaw, and, and I mean, I felt really dumb when I was talking about the suppression of artistic expression way back. I was like, I don't. Have oh no, no, this. no! You nailed it. Okay, you nailed it. But prosium, so prosium to me is the pill form of brainwashing. Is pretty right. much what this this movie. It's is a doing. lobotomy. And when it, yeah, and when you were talking about when everybody stops and injects themselves in the neck because something came on the screen and told them to do so, right? To me, that was uh, an analogy to religion. And the prayer bell over in the Middle East, you know, when they pray right. five times a day. Like, I was like, is that what the director is trying to get me to think about? That everybody's going to stop at this moment of the day to... Oh, I hadn't thought of that. To take their medication, you know? Well, I mean, you think about it, I don't quite... I'm not educated enough on the, 
you know the traditions of you know that religion and why no, they pray and, and how they pray and all that. So, I don't think it's a bad but thing you about. think about stuff like saying the pledge at the beginning of the school day, mm-hmm. you know, saying um, I guess like certain prayers before you eat, things like that. You know, you could if you wanted to make an argument that that's all sort of brainwashing. I think what this movie did is just made it more tangible. Right. You know, like saying the pledge. There's a there's a physical vision of that. You're you're standing there with your hand over your heart, looking at a flag. Here. But you ha- you haven't been compelled to do that other than anything uh, by anything other than just like tradition or right. like it's just what you do. Here they put a physical totem in place, which yeah. is the pill, the capsule, the the gun, and they make that the mechanism by which people brainwash themselves. And that's just how they. I mean, that's for the audience's benefit. You know, like oh, this right. is what they do, and this is where right. we're moving on. Or we can tell you how brainwashing works over. So this, I think that that specific addition helped reinforce the bleakness of this future as opposed to like remember in demolition man where he goes to the future and it's all it's funny because it's like it's a lot of the same colors and things like that grays like Mm. you know whites blacks like nothing bright and vivid well they still had taco bell so but there was a vibe of like happiness like the people were super happy i mean they got really (laughs) cheerful over commercials yeah they were they were like (laughs) that's right they they, well yeah that's true they had music then and stuff like that so i guess it's not exactly the same but it's a different it's a it's just a different take on that same idea of uh utopia that exists because all of the like unfavorable parts of humanity have been washed away right and in both movies you have the rebels dennis leary's crew and demolition man and then these did they just oh the resistance they call them resistance right Mm. the resistance in equilibrium and they're all just seeking to kind of do the same thing which is you know live like humans right so or just i mean the difference there is dennis leary (laughs) goes on a rant as dennis leary does in the movies Mm -hmm. talking about all the things that he wants that probably isn't necessarily good you know like type of like he wants to smoke a cigarette and Mm -hmm. he wants to eat fat off of a pig and Uh, see i don't know like I don't, and, and respectfully, I will say, I don't know that he wants to do all those things. He just wants the to, option, right. the choice to be able to do all those Where things. Where in Equilibrium, these people want to hang the Mona Lisa up on their walls, and they want to listen to Beethoven on their record players. <coughs> right. Like, well, so that's, and that's a good point. I mean, maybe that was a little like, maybe that was kind of a sterile way to do it, like to show that these rebels are just all artists and, mm. and thinkers and things like that because you have to assume that there are also people who do have you know like homicidal urges and emotions that are unsavory well and that's the fun not the fun part but like the the interesting part of equilibrium is the people that want you to be able to listen to beethoven are the people that are going to kill everybody in the end for you to do it <laughs> ah interesting like this is like anti-gun message with people that are packing ak's to go to the street and be like well to get rid of the guns, we're going to have to kill everybody with guns. <laughs> with interesting, guns. interesting, yeah. So I think that was one of the things that the critics were bashing this movie about in the end because they couldn't wrap their heads around the fact that, yeah, these people are actually the killers of the movie. <laughs> I feel like... T- Christian Bale in this movie is the third most homicidal character in any f- movie really? ever made. Yep. In a single movie? or In like a single the- movie, because his body count Okay, wait, was, let me guess. His so, body count was 118. Are we talking about explosions and stuff, too, or just like individual kills? Individual kills. Rambo's Rambo. not on the No? Not oh, one man. of the top three. Um, is it somebody like... I'll give you the actor. Okay. Paul Giamatti is second. Paul Giamatti? Boom. I know. Bl- mind blown. Paul Giamatti? Um... I mean, I think like... 
this doesn't include blowing up Pittsburgh Stadium in Dark Knight. You know, like, this isn't explosions and buildings falling down and stuff like that. I'm this having is... a hard time right now thinking of any movie with Paul Giamatti. And I don't know why, because he's in a bunch. Sideways? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What, what movie? Uh, number two, Paul Giamatti with 141 kills is Shoot Em Up. I don't even know what that is. It might be something that we talk about later. All right. And then number one was like a foreign film. It's called Lone Wolf and Cub, White Heaven oh, and Hell. Yeah. You know that one? Uh, that's a samurai movie, I think, right? 150 okay, was yeah. the main character of that. Yeah. Um, Shoot him up, I want to say. It has Clive Owen, 2007. Is that one where they have to protect a baby the whole time? A man named Mr. Smith delivers a woman's baby during yeah. a shootout and is then called upon to protect the newborn from the army of gunmen. Yeah, interesting. It's got Monica Bellucci in it. Okay, we'll check that out, maybe. Uh, Children of Men was a better Clive Owen protect the baby film. I could not tell you what Clive Owen looks like. Does he look like um, Dylan McDermott and Dermot Mulroney? Like one of those guys, one of those looking guys? Yes, but he's British. Well, Have you ever seen the movie Closer? He's no. got some phenomenal lines. Don't see it because it makes you think that everybody's going to cheat. But oh, yeah, I don't know. We were going somewhere. Yeah, we just <laughs> see. And these are all emotions. These are all things we're feeling in there. Yeah, they just take over. And that's like. So, yeah. So back to the emotion thing. He <laughs> you want to do a hard reset here and like start over? I don't know what's happening. <laughs> he knows Sean Bean has emotion because of doubt. Right. Like Sean Bean makes some like, do you, you know, type of comment back to him. And then right. he replays it, the video and whatnot. So doubt is one of those things, which makes me think this is all an analogy for religion. Which, to me, is kind of sad because I look at religion as a great thing. You know, like, religion brings good emotion to you. It's the- So here's a quote from Marilyn Manson. He says that the reason he's against religion, and I don't necessarily, I don't agree with this, but it was an interesting quote. The reason he's against religion is because it's designed to keep people from asking questions. And I feel like that's kind of accurate. It's just sort of like, if something happens and you don't understand it, your religion can entice you to just put it chalk it up to faith and say you know i don't understand it but it's god's will or it's my god's will or something like that and it 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 prevents you from trying to investigate i guess and trying to make sense of things did i blow your mind you look really concerned i don't i know i just i don't know if i agree with that i don't know if i agree with it I, i i don't necessarily agree with it either but i can understand it as a point of view yeah i guess is my, my i mean that's like a pessimistic way i think to look and really to put all our cards on the table i don't have any good basis in religion mm-hmm. i just think it you know if taught well it teaches a good morality lesson and i think human beings as a whole mm-hmm. need morality oh yeah <laughs> so i'm like but that's great you know type of thing if somebody's going to teach it might as well be churches and synagogues right. and temples and everything like that right i hope i covered them all <laughs> Um, so people are like well what about mosques mosques yep great um (laughs) i don't know yeah i don't know but i do my i've gone to you know my nieces and nephews communions and whatnot and i thought the churches that allow themselves to be questioned are the ones that i'm like this is great oh right you know like right um that's a good point that's a good point like and and that's so i think manson like came across people that go no shut it down don't ask any questions and that's not necessarily the way that i think it should be (laughs) dealt with that's the ones that are like if you have a question open the book and you'll get a and it's not even like do you have an answer to the question because then i'll subscribe to your theory it's like are you willing to consider the question and are you willing to think through the question like that open-mindedness i feel like is I, I, and I would imagine, I mean, based on my, I was brought up 
pretty Catholic, and you know, obviously looking back, you see quite a few flaws in that system. You know, it's 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 just that open-mindedness I think that's lacking in a lot of maybe traditional fanatical religions. And I think they feel like they have to because, like this movie, if people begin questioning, then the whole system starts crumbling. Right, and you it's know? it's a very God-fearing. You know, that's a, that's God-fearing is the term that like you can apply to this movie because they're and his name was Father in the movie. Mm-hmm. Their like supreme leader was you know he. Oh. Did you just get that? <laughs> I did just. Get oh that. man, <laughs> I've been doing this analogy. The did whole you really time. just get that? I did. Oh wow! Because I started questioning my analogy when you were talking and being like, well, maybe this is kind of like uh, North Korea. Like this is what Kim has to do, and then you brought it back to Father. Like, oh yeah, no, this is religion. <laughs> oh yeah, I totally thought it was. I mean, as soon as I mean, he appears in the sky as this big giant mm-hmm. omniscient right. omniscient head um, talking. He he, you know delivers orders keeps people safe all that stuff i totally thought it was like a god complex thing as soon as i watched it gotcha and father right away was like yep nailed it i just thought they didn't want to call it big brother like they're like who's bigger (laughs) than big brother well so that's that was a question i wrote down so if this movie so captain america the winter soldier did you see that i did so that movie it was yes that movie came out so was double dragon (laughs) so that movie came out like right it was a perfect place perfect time came out as i feel like what was his name snowden edward snowden mm-hmm. like that i forget it was either happening or had just happened or something and there was this whole big brother surveillance like that was the hot topic and winter soldier was about that it was about surveillance and and monitoring and trying to keep people in line and stuff so that was like a really good juxtaposition of like real life and the movie and it right. worked so my question is if this movie equilibrium were to come out today or within the last several years what do you think would be different now, i'm not saying we live in the world of equilibrium right now but right. there are certainly a lot of political leanings and a lot of coverage that that's very single-minded in right. in terms of where our country where people want our country to go so it's sort of like the does Equilibrium, would Equilibrium feel more realistic if it were released now? I think so. As opposed to 20, 2002. I think, like, if it was released now, I think it would be less religion, like how we're talking about, like, the analogy of now, and more the over-medication of the, over-medicating of the uh, country. I see, okay. I think that would be kind of what they're going more in tune to. Uh, that's interesting. So you think it would be like a like a mental health, healthcare kind of thing? Maybe not even like mental health, because really what everybody is doing now or what they're accusing the doctors of is taking away everybody's pain so they don't feel it. You know, like instead of saying rehab and eat well and, and go for walks and everything like that, here's some oxycodone and just... Oh, okay. Just numb your pain that way. And so everybody's numb, pain tolerance. Numb is a good word that, and a good Linkin Park song is a good word <laughs> that um, can describe this movie kind of from beginning to end. Yeah. Because the movie starts off and Christian Bale is just numb to everything he's doing. He's got no expression on his face. And then toward the end, he's almost like as he flips and then decides he's going to, or it's implied that he's going to help the resistance lead to a takeover. He's kind of like numb to the fact that what he's been doing for the most of his life Uh, he's just kind of like i feel like he's kind of just like like whatever i don't know blase maybe but more just like not even like man i screwed up for all those years i was (laughs) killing people for watching art right but more just like i don't think he ever has this come to jesus moment maybe yeah no you're right when he kills tay diggs that's kind of like the that's the climax of the movie more or less right mind the uniform cleric I plan to be wearing it for a long time.
that part is super quick. I would say when he when uh, when she gets burned alive. File footage. Viviana Preston. Sentence and incineration. Auditory. Viviana Preston, for ceasing your interval, for the crime of feeling, you stand condemned to suffer annihilation in the city furnaces. You will be taken there immediately, and you will burn. So when she gets burned alive and he just has that emotion because he couldn't stop it, mm-hmm. I think that's pretty much when he turns. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he ever like reflects back to everything that he has done. That's what maybe that's what it is. Reflect, reflective. reflective, and come to Jesus moment. And there's another like maybe there was like a lack of a true catharsis. Mm-hmm. I guess you know. Yeah, I and can actually, see that. when did American Psycho come out? Was that '99 yes. or 2000? It was '99 or 2000. 2000. Because this reminded his character in this movie, Equilibrium, reminded me a lot of Patrick Bateman at right. times. Well, I was thinking of that too when he's like splashing cold water on his face, and I was like, ah, <clears> Oh, right, two thousand. But even like the, you know, like Patrick Bateman was very like unfeeling. I wonder if that's why uh, he got cast in this role. I wonder if that had anything to do with it because Maybe. he he was very unfeeling and emotionless. The one for artistic most of the time. choice that I would say I really liked about this film and goes with the numb feeling. Anytime somebody's shot in the beginning. Mm-hmm. There's no blood. And slowly they start introducing blood to the killing of the movie because they don't uh-huh. want you to feel, they don't want you to get numb to the the violence uh-huh. because in the end, when you start seeing the blood, that's also Christian Bale realizing that when he's killing people, they are bleeding. And that's he's interesting. Actually doing I didn't something. notice that. That's that's a good technique too. That makes it, so that's, that's interesting. 37 minutes in is the first time that you see blood, even though he's probably already killed like 40 people. Mm-hmm. And it's not even a person that he killed. It's the guy that he catches in mm-hmm. the hallway that's trying to run. And then right. he looks at his gloves and he sees that he's got blood on him. Right. So I thought that, I was like, oh, you know, for this movie being... I even put it back on rewatching it now when I bought it back in like 2002 and being like, oh, this isn't an action movie. The pro- I think the problem this movie ran into is that it's it's too ambitious without having the novelty of like The Matrix. Because The Matrix is basically the same concept. We live in a world that's not ours. Mm. The Matrix also had like bullet time and kung fu fights and color and things like that. And I guess like if going back to your question, if it was made today, they probably would have put in... Uh, like a Kevin Hart character, you know, like some kind of comedic relief just so people weren't just constantly on that doldrum level. Oh, yeah, because you couldn't, I mean, I don't know anyone, did this movie make any money at all? Do you know? It made, what happened with the budget and everything like that is Miramax sold it overseas first. Uh Uh-huh. And because they made money on their overseas sale, 
of the movie, uh-huh. they didn't do a wide release because they were worried that they would then end up losing money if they spent too much money in like, like, the publicity e- and everything. Even here. with the trailer, like I couldn't imagine watching the trailer and be like, I really want to see that. That looks like a fun movie. <laughs> like, like, no. Like, that yeah, is- no. I mean, if you're, uh, if you're looking at the trailer and the gun, gun tata. Kata, not tata. <laughs> kata. Where's your mind? If you look at that, and Matrix has already come out, right. you kind of go, oh, well, I've seen this action. you know, right. And that's pretty much what our show is all about, are these movies that came out when other things did at the same time, mm-hmm. and these slipped under the radar, and these probably... I'm, this is not better than The Matrix. I'll put that out there right now. Right. But I would probably watch... I have watched Equilibrium more times than I've watched Matrix 2 or 3. Okay. Matrix yeah. Reloaded and Revolution, or whatever right. they were called. And now Matrix 4 coming out. Is it really? Did you hear about that? No, I did not. Oh, yeah. They announced that, like, last week. Because Men in Black 4 did so well? <laughs> <laughs> um, no. no. Um, yeah, they're, they're coming back to do the fourth Matrix. Man, Keanu Reeves, just awesome in everything, pretty much, right? He is, but the Matrix movies... Spoiler alert, I didn't like The Matrix. I, I Not saw the original it, one? No. I saw it when it came out in the theater and walked out, and, and I saw it, af- and you know how I am with hype. Like, hype will immediately ruin something for me if it's not spectacular and that's not to say that the matrix wasn't innovative and groundbreaking in in the stuff that it did but like i walked out and was kind of just like that's it and the way it got people talking about like yeah what if we're all slaves to the machines and stuff like that i mean that we are but that that (laughs) rhetoric and that you know that narrative has been around for like that's not new that's right that's like brave new world fahrenheit 451 like those that's not a new narrative it's just high tech now right Fahrenheit, yeah. Fahrenheit 451, right? That's where they burned all the books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they just made it high tech. Maybe, And I think I've only watched it maybe one other time since then. Maybe I need to watch it again. I think it's funny because actually this coming full circle in life is Equilibrium was recommended to me to, for the show by a guy whose last name is Hart. And his wife and him got into a fight at the same table at Mellow Mushroom in Rocky River about the fact that she has never seen Matrix 1. And she's like, of course I've seen Matrix 1. And he's like, you've only seen 2 and 3. And I was like, well, that's... Oh, she thought she had seen it? Yeah. See, now that's a <laughs> testament to how... Although I guess you could probably say that with like Star Wars movies. I was going to say that's a testament to how unspecific that trilogy is and how like they just blend together into one kind of like, not a blah, but like a, you know, it's just this one big it's thing. It's like a world they created. I guess I guess you could say that with like Star Wars and stuff though too. So How are we mind. doing on time? Uh, we're about done. <laughs> okay, I got a lot to go through. Go ahead. All right. Hit me. Cool fact that I want to like almost just dedicate an episode to. Two different actresses played Preston's wife in like the flashbacks. The condemnation archive footage was was filmed first and featured Alexis Summer. Okay. However, when it was time to film the scene where she was arrested, Alexis Summer could not be found. So Maria Pia Calzone, Calzone, maybe? <laughs> that can't be real. <laughs> C-A-L-Z-O-N-E. It's you're spelled just, like you're making Calzone. This, you're making this up. Uh, had to take her place. As a result, there's two separate credits. Summer is credited as Viviana Preston, and while Maria Pia Calzone was credited as Preston's wife, even though they're supposed to be the same character. Now, I went to Alexis Summer's IMDb page. All that's on there is her equilibrium credit. There is nothing else. I want to find Alexis Summer. And find out what happened and how she disappeared from a movie set. Coming to Netflix in 2021. The finding true crime summer. documentary. <laughs> finding Alexa. Discovering, I, I wish discovering I, Summer? Discover, I kind of wish it was the other girl because then we could call it Dis- Finding Calzone mm. or something like that. Yep. I, I don't even know where to begin. How interesting of a story is that? My detective skills are lacking. But, I mean, I guess that's a testament to the rabbit holes you can fall down on Wikipedia. <laughs> I'm glad you came back. 
reviews. Roger Ebert, three out of four stars. I uh, yep. liked it. Short, short little thing of his is would be a mindless action picture, except that it has a mind. Doesn't do a lot of deep thinking, but unlike many futuristic combos of sci-fi and special effects, it does make a statement that freedom of opinion is a threat to total- totalitarianism. Thank you, systems. Dictatorships of both the left and right are frightened by the idea of their citizens thinking too much or having too much fun, which I think mm-hmm. is a legitimate concern of the systems put in place today. Oh, yeah. The So that was a three out of four, a zero out of a hundred critic review of this, which was in the New York Times by a guy named Elvis Mitchell. Why does this, the New York Times reviews on a 100 point scale? Yep. Okay. So he said, if someone left 1984, Fahrenheit 451, Brave New World, Gattaca, and the Sylvester Stallone Pop Boilers, Judge Dredd, and Demolition Man out in the sun and threw the runny glop onto a movie screen, it would still be a better picture than Equilibrium, a movie that could be stupider only if it were longer. It didn't. It doesn't say what he disliked about it. <laughs> like that was just a that was just like a frosting sentence. Like there was nothing substantial about that. So the one thing I do like though is Kurt Wimmer responded to these critics. Oh sweet! Um, and he said, "Why would I make a movie for someone I wouldn't want to hang out with? Have you ever met a critic who you want to party with? I have not." Fair enough. Nailed I was like, it. Oh, nice Nailed job. It. But he also said he was like, "Look, I make movie for people that are paying for tickets, not for the people that get to see it for free." That's fair too. And I was like, "All right, there you go." That's good. So looking at grades, I got a, it's a seven point four on IMDb, which is pretty high for That's our fair, show. Forty yep. percent uh, Rotten Tomatoes, thirty three percent Metacritic, eh. and then eighty five percent of Google users like it. Which almost across the board, anything that we review, Google users are like, "I'm there for this." Okay. So I mean, I think my main takeaway from this movie was that it was just overly ambitious, which I respect and think is awesome. I think this is probably one of our deeper episodes. Like I was it, just going to say, do you think this is the smartest episode we've done so far? I mean, I mean Grim- you were Grim- super smart. Grim- I was stuttering no, no, all over no, the place. No. I feel like I got it. It's either this, it's either this or Gremlins 2. Who can forget what was the, the gun one? What gun one? We had one where we pontificated on the freedom of to bear arms maybe law-abiding citizen or whatnot that was also a good one i'll go back to congo i don't know i I, I, I don't know i totally like congo so equilibrium christian bale tay diggs sean bean alexandra summer alexa summer alexa summer gosh don't forget her again and (laughs) and um maria pia calzone maria pia calzone the guy who turned in Mel Gibson in Braveheart, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, if you're if you're interested in thinking and sort of being like, <laughs> what if? What if you're you like? interested in thinking? <laughs> well, I mean, it's definitely not a movie like you know you can sit back and just shovel popcorn. It's a thinker. If you're interested in a little bit of like you know mind blowing deep thought, what if scenario? I think this is a good one. I think that is. And if you're a Christian Bale fan, like this is a good Christian Bale piece. It is. Yeah, and who's not a Christian Bale fan except that guy that he uh, went off on in that audio from the set of Terminator a couple years ago? Mm-hmm. Kick your fucking ass! I want you off the fucking set, you prick! Sorry. No, don't just be sorry. Think for one fucking second. The the fuck are you doing? Are you professional or not? Yes, I am. Do I fucking walk around and rip that? No, shut the fuck up, Bruce. Do I want? No, no. Don't shut me up. Am I going to walk around and rip your fucking lights down in the middle of a scene? Then why the fuck are you walking right through? Ah, da-da-da-da, like this in the background. What the fuck is it with you? I was looking at the light. Oh, good for you. And how was it? Look, gee, you got fucking something to say to this prick? I didn't see it happen. Well, somebody should be fucking watching 
and keeping an eye on him. Yeah. Which, I mean, you you hear the audio and you go, oh, this is really, he's really going up. Maybe that guy deserved it. Maybe. Did anybody consider that? Maybe I that like when he call. I, I like when he calls out Mick G in that in that audio. It's funny to hear Christian Bale yell at Mick G. Right. And to say, so he says, I'm talking to you, Mick G. Or something <laughs> like that. It's funny. We'll be back with some more gold because that's all we dig up, right? Yeah. Is that a new catchphrase? No. Maybe. No, 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 no. We'll focus group that. We'll get back to you. But yeah, thanks for listening. Ciao. Equilibrium was produced by Dimension Films and Blue Tulip Productions. It was distributed by Miramax Films. Second Chance Cinema is a fan of the film and urges you to check it out. Closing credits music is from the film's soundtrack, composed by Klaus Baudet. Thank you for listening to this episode of Second Chance Cinema. If you have any comments, questions, corrections, or would like to recommend a movie for a future show, you can reach us at 2ndchancinema at gmail.com. We have a Second Chance Cinema Facebook group. You can find us on Twitter at MCNSpro or check us out on Instagram at 2ND Chance Cinema. To help our little show out, please tell your friends about us. Leave a review wherever you listen. And be sure to subscribe and download each episode you listen to, as those simple steps makes us much more visible in the universe, which makes these fine secret cinematic masterpieces more visible. And isn't that really the whole point? Now go on and have a beautiful day, you wonderful person, you. And remember... What our art consistently tells us is that oppressors will censor our art. It's a wonderful world out there if you can feel it that way. Enjoy your day.